Welcome to yet another episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Brian. I'm Ethan. I'm Kent. And with us again is special guest bassoonist, Cowdy. So we thought we would uh, continue again our ongoing series of origin stories. And Dr. Brian Jack was about to tell us how he got himself involved in this ridiculous endeavor. Uh, well, I got started just like most people in that. Uh, and when I was in third grade, the elementary school band director came in and said, Next year, everybody gets to play an instrument, so write down what you want to play. And like all boys in the class, I wrote trumpet and saxophone. And later she pulled me aside and said, Brian, you got long fingers, I want you to play the bassoon. And of course I thought, what's a bassoon? But she went to such trouble because she brought the sixth grader down to, to play for me and to demonstrate the instrument. And I think she got my mom involved. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I guess I better do this then. Yeah, that decision was made for you. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. That's how I got started on the bassoon. It's nothing to, uh, you know, I didn't have like a calling. I wasn't visited by like a magical <laughs> dragon in a dream who told me, you must play the bassoon or anything like really? that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was. like music, music in general, like train. Well, it all just, it all snowballed out of control. So in fourth grade, she invited me to play with the fifth grade band and then encouraged me to get private lessons and then encouraged me to play in the youth orchestra starting in eighth grade. And before that, even the all-county band and, you know, oh, take this audition, try this, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I kept doing all this stuff in hopes of playing John Williams music. <laughs> like, oh, maybe if I get into this next group, we'll be able to play Star Wars. Or maybe if I get into the next all-county thing, we'll play Indiana Jones. But we always play stuff like Beethoven. Uh, um, <laughs> wow. So in eighth grade, I joined the South Towns Youth Orchestra. And then uh, it, uh, at the end of eighth grade, I had a really difficult decision to make. Should I stay in the public school or should I go to this private school? And music actually played a big role in it. And then uh, in 10th grade, I joined the Greater Buffalo Youth Orchestra. And that was... Uh, Overwhelming! It was such a good orchestra. I was very intimidated. Uh, but we played all sorts of really good music, and we went to Spain. And I started thinking about majoring in music when I was actually already a senior in high school. And I got into the New York Allstate Orchestra. They sent us this music, uh, Creatures of Prometheus Overture by Beethoven, and Roman Festivals by Respighi. And I thought, oh, I've heard of this Respighi guy. This should be like a big deal. Big, awesome brass music guy. I'd heard Pines of Rome. Um, and so I went to, I remember I went to the store called Media Play. And I went leafing through all their CDs. And I found the CD of Respighi music that looked cool. And I went home and I put it in and I listened to it while looking at my sheet music. And I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't follow it. I couldn't make any sound. I couldn't feel a beat. There was no pulse, there was no rhythm to lock onto, there was no melody. It just, none of it made any sense. And so I was really, you know, discouraged. And I didn't learn the music, I didn't really practice well. I was just playing second bassoon, so it was a bunch of whole notes anyway, it seemed like. So I go to the New York Allstate Festival, and over the course of the weekend, the conductor, 
did a great job of tearing the music apart, tearing the orchestra apart. He would isolate one section and have them work on a thing, and then he would play, he would have another section work on the same uh, selection, the same passage, and then we put them together and we would see how it all worked out. And that was a real eye-opening experience where I started thinking like, maybe music is, there, there's something systematic about it. There's a methodology to it. And it's not just, you know, like people have this talent for it or they just have this innate musicality or whatever. There's like a, a strategy involved. And that, which was November of my senior year, which is kind of late for this stuff. Whoa. <laughs> that's when I started thinking. It's like one month, yeah. month, one month before the, like those deadlines? Pretty much. Um, that's when I started thinking, hey, I, I could major in this. I could actually see this happening. Um, but still, I had a very difficult time deciding what to do. And at the very last day possible, I made a decision. And so I went to Ithaca College to major in music education and performance. Um, so it's just, it was sort of like one thing after another just snowballed out of control. And uh, so here we are. But your whole entire life is stayed in New York, right? Stayed in New York. Yeah, I was born in Long Island. And then when I was two, we moved to Buffalo. And then I went to Ithaca, which is also in New York. And then in 2005, moved to Colorado. Why? Why not? It's nice here. <laughs> Didn't you have another major you were considering that was almost as much as music you were considering it? Yeah, my thoughts were basically I could go to Ithaca or Carnegie Mellon for music, or I could go to Hamilton or some other college for English. And in both cases, I was really thinking of being a teacher. But I always had the idea of like, maybe something will happen that will lead me to, you know, become a movie star. <laughs> or whatever. What? <laughs> yeah. Movie star. And actually at Ithaca, they had a program when I was just sort of investigating Ithaca as a possibility. Um, I saw that they had a program where you could come, you can basically make your own degree combining two different subjects and I was thinking of like music and film and see where that might lead and they have a very good you know film program and communications program but uh, I was I was talked out of that and into uh, you know just focusing on music and well, then my, my really one of the most difficult decisions was what to do about grad school do I go to the University of Toronto to study with Michael Sweeney and focus on performance or do I go to CU and focus on music education and obviously I chose Colorado and I had a really tough time with that one. A tough time making the decision? Yeah. One of the factors was that I had just finished two months of student teaching and I was currently um, a long-term sub at an elementary school conducting the band and I enjoyed all of that stuff a lot. And I was playing on a Fox Renard and I had no uh, anticipation of ever having a really high quality professional instrument. So the thought was, all right, I'll audition for Rice. If I get into Rice, I'll just make it happen. I'll find a way, I'll get a loan and I'll get a heckle and I'll just do that. And I did not get into Rice. It was the one school I didn't get into. So anyway, there you go. This is my origin story. There's not a lot to it. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Last episode, Kent had a, a moment of nostalgia where he wished he could go back and talk to post-graduating Kent. Do you feel pretty solid about 
the choices and where you've ended up? Well, sure. Everything's great now. It's all worked out quite nicely. If I could go back, I mean, of course I would do that. I would become filthy, stinking rich. Hey, man, buy some Apple stock. <laughs> you always told that story to your parents. Yeah. yeah. So how did your instrument situation work out there, Brian? Well, he says with his tongue halfway in his cheek. Yeah. <laughs> I chose going to Colorado to focus on music education, and then halfway through my master's degree, I got this super fancy, awesome heckle out of the blue, thanks to my aunt. And... Uh, Playing on that thing, that instrument is so nice and it's so much fun to play on that it was kind of like getting bit by the acting bug. That, you know, you hear these stories and somebody's like, I must be an actor, and they move to Hollywood and they just try to make it happen. And so playing on that thing, I really wanted to see what I could do in terms of performance. And uh, I've been really happy in uh, putting it to, to good use here and there. This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast is brought to you by Forrest's Music and Barton Kane. At Forrest Music, you can find every item, every accessory, every kind of instrument that any double reed player could ever need. Reeds? Oh yeah, lots of reeds. How about bassoons? They got bassoons. Oboes? They got a vocal. They got vocals, they got oboes, they got English horns, they got... Stuff you you never even knew about. Forestsmusic.com Martin Kane has they have a wide variety available, a variety of shapes profiles and they even have an artist series which includes, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it includes Daryl Hale, professor of bassoon at Louisiana State University and really the, the origin for the whole bassoon quartet. It's easy, it's simple, it's high quality, it's bartonkane.com. CU, I met, of course, Cowdy Uno. Yay! Bassoonist extraordinaire. So tell us, what's your origin story? Oh, it's gonna be long. No, you can keep it shorter. <laughs> See? <laughs> so, my parents, both of them are amateur musicians. My mom is a clarinet player, and dad was amateur bassoonist. So, when I growing up, um, I started piano three, actually, and I hated it. I wow. just hate my piano lessons. I mean, like the best thing that what I did when I was a kid is solfege um, technique, you know, because um, in Japan, the most of people it's kind of forced to do the like fixed though, and then like sight reading and everything is kind of fantastic. So yeah, that's the part I love it. But can um, you explain what do you mean by fixed dough solfege? Uh, I am so fixed dough solfege. Well, wait a minute. Let's wait. let's first talk about just what is solfege. Oh, solfege. How should I describe that? Um, Somebody created these syllables that you can associate with notes. Like so dough. everybody knows the note names, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. 
but by using solfege, you can call them do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. And everybody's heard of those. So by using these syllables, you can learn the structure of music and how the notes relate and all this kind of theoretical stuff. So in Japan, everybody's taught solfege? Um, if, if we start in like when we little, yeah, piano student, most of people does. But that's outside of school? I, outside, yeah. It's private, private lessons. lessons, yeah. And solfege is included in piano lessons. Yeah. Hmm. So like a 30 minutes lesson time, probably 20 minutes of that. And then last 10 minutes, then my teacher is just bang it those piano and then I just try to figure out which note is that. Or singing like, you know, outside so like reading. The, the teacher, you don't see the keyboard and the teacher plays a yeah. note and you have to figure out what note mm -hmm. that is just as a kid? Mm -hmm. Melodic dictation. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, that's like a, the beginning of it. They give like A first or C or whatever. And then, all right, next note, next note, next note. But if you get used to it and solid, you know, there's a perfect pitch, whatever. They're not gonna give you anything. It's just out of nowhere. Just keep playing, and then I just tell what you know. Let it be understood that Ms. Kauri Uno put the finger air quotes around perfect pitch. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I don't know. Is it perfect pitch is useful or not useful? But I, well, I if if useful. you use it all the time to complain about tuning, it's not useful. But if you use it to uh, <laughs> nicely stated, <laughs> if you use it to write down pieces that you're listening to and make arrangements. Oh man, what a wonderful tool that would be. I wish I had that. That's trained though. Yeah, yeah so a lot of, the, you know, for perfect pitch, there's natural perfect pitch in which somebody's just so, somehow born with the ability to hear a note and know what it is. And then there's, what do they call it, relative? Relative. Perfect. Relative yeah. perfect pitch where you learn to recognize this is A. And, you know, from there well, you can figure my out. My perfect pitch is actually, it's like, not really perfect. I have A in my head all the time, and then kind of relative too. All the, the that must be mad. Yeah, you go crazy. That's A. Oh man. Yeah. Doesn't that make you insane? No. Well, I mean, you don't you don't hear it all the time. You yeah. can you can summon it, right? But if if you bang it this cup right here, I might be able to tell. F sharp. Oh, that was too loud. I corroborate that. That's an F sharp. How do you know? You got this too? Um, I'm not sure it's as good as hers, but I can usually summon an A or a B flat, which I can then uh, use to go to other stuff. Sight singing was always my worst class, which included pitch dictation and which interval is this? And then they'll play a chord. Which chord is this? Like, oh God, I have no idea. Like nobody ever taught us that kind of stuff throughout yeah. high school. Well, you know what best person to go to? Dika. Yeah, I don't want to. She's my teacher. Dr. Narimoto. Yeah. Oh, really? She's my teacher for the whole on um, selfish. Yeah. We we didn't mention this in our previous episodes, but Dr. Narimoto, uh, you know, she's one of the composers who wrote something for us for our album from the opposite shore, and the piece that she wrote for us called "The Sound of New York" was specially selected for a special event at Juilliard the last week of January. And they played from uh, they played the sound of New York at Juilliard with four Juilliard bassoonists, and uh, we I think that's just so cool. That's such a flatter mm -hmm. flattering thing to have a piece that we are essentially you know responsible for, uh, handpicked for one of the country's most preeminent music schools. 
Uh, yeah, she is really difficult. Oh, not, I shouldn't say difficult. It's really strict and strong teacher mm-hmm. when I did that. So um, every couple weeks, she come in my high school and we have a solfege class together and with my band friend. And what we did the dictation with um, two voices and four voices mm-hmm. and then sight, sing, sing, uh, sight singing with her. So if you want to learn, she's tough. I don't. No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that started with like when I was three, the piano. And in my, when I move up the different instruments, so I play Grockenspiel, Trump. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, okay. They're kind of marching band kind of stuff. How you old were you? That was my fourth grade, no, fifth grade. In sixth grade, I played the trombone. I hate it. I hate that instrument. You hated it because your arms are so short you couldn't yes. push the slide. So enough. it's there's um the trombone called like in a different position, which is right. seven is the highest yeah. one. Of course I can't reach it. And then one of the teacher, like probably a college student, was taught me like how to do is put the rubber band on my pinky and then connect to the slide and then you just shoot to like a seventh position. Yay! So you actually let go of the slide and let it just bounce back on the rubber band? Well, it's really is Japanese trombone player does. <laughs> like, like if it's like a really short arm or something. That's great. Yeah. So, and of course, you know, I don't like the concept of it. So I move up and when I junior high, um, I stopped playing crane at three years, and which I love it. And when I get go to the, my high school, which is um, pretty big school, girls high school <laughs> oh god um then it's emphasized my band program is fantastic so they have a really interesting music program too but it's normal school actually it's not like real music school but i went there and I accidentally i said i could play bassoon because so i have no idea my dad played bassoon until junior high so he quit bassoon like probably for a long time because his job is so busy so finally he, he, he had one in the house yeah he had a striver so the whole time there was a bassoon sitting around your house i have no idea <laughs> i i know my mom have a crying and a flute i know those two uh, and a cello those your three. mom played the cello no dad dad played the cello yeah so i know this three instrument hanging out but i have no idea about, about bassoon so you started playing at home and then you let it slip at school that you could play the bassoon, you could learn. Yeah. And then your school teacher was like, well, all right, sold. You have to play the bassoon. Yeah, pretty much. I don't want to do like crinet though still. But yeah. I mean, dad, like every weekend when he stopped playing the bassoon, hey, Kari, let's play the bassoon. It's like, oh, no. So did your band director give you a big creepy hug the way that Kent's band director <laughs> did? <laughs> Actually, my older friend, high school band friend freaked out. Because yeah. there's nobody played a bassoon before. So, are you sure you play bassoon? Like, I know the fingering. And then, can't come back. So, yeah. did you start using your dad's bassoon? Well, because he's playing amateur orchestra at that time, I can't use his. Oh, so you had two bassoons in the house. So, what I did is, um, his o- orchestra friend, August, has um, Renard, actually, at that time. And he didn't use it, so like, I let him, me to use it. So I was using that Renard maybe like eight months or whatever. And I started taking a lesson with my teacher, first teacher. And he's like um, the guy who in charge Fox Imports in Japan. What's his first name? 
Yoshi. Yoshi. <laughs> yeah, there, there's um my four teachers. So like three teachers. Yeah, that's Yoshi. All Yoshi. three of your bassoon teachers. Yoshi. Have been named Yoshi. Yoshi. Accidentally, I guess. So at what point in high school did you start thinking, oh, I could study this in college? This I, is what I want to do. No, I decided in junior high. Junior year. high. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah it's like. 13 or 14. When I play the clarinet, I, I already want to be in the orchestra. Wow. Well, actually, that's it, probably not my decision. It's a kind of my parents' tours, like in, you know, yeah, you should go to the music world, you know. So, really? Yeah. Hmm. That's backwards. Yeah. I mean, they don't know the realistic of it, you know, because they are the amateur. Yeah. Huh. So they just know the music's great and then didn't see the real part of music, you know, like. So obviously the best part of your story is how you went to America and met this guy that you just fell madly in love with, <laughs> swept you off yeah, your yeah. feet, and it's been bliss ever since. So at what point did what? you start? <laughs> at what point did you start thinking I want to go study in America? Well, it was kind of early because my dad speaks English fine, and then at the, my college second year, and he got the offer in Kentucky. Your dad? Yeah. Like, they live in there in like a couple of years. Hmm. So, my first teacher, actually, he graduated in Indiana and he did the study with the Renault, um, Gar no, 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 Charles, Mr. Charles. Oh, yeah. And then, so he did a TA and played in Indiana a while. I remember that. So, like, he keep talking about the orchestra in the US. So, I kind of like, eh, it might be fun. And then, dad got the job offer and I actually thinking to go to like Indiana and when I was a sophomore year. Sophomore of college? College, or? yeah. And then we kind of get into it, you know, to find out what's going on. And I decided not to because a lot of people suggest you should graduate undergrad in Japan, then go to the master. So but I, that's what I did. And at what point did you meet Yoshi Ishikawa? So I graduated 2003. And that summer has a Tokyo Double Reap Festival. So it's like on IDRS, but just only Japan version. And then Yoshi was listening to me. And I just told everybody, I want to go to the US, but I don't know what to do. Hmm. And Yoshi heard from somebody else I know. And then like he came up and there's um, you know, a scholarship op opportunity in CU. Do you want to come? And did, then just say yes. Did you know anything about Colorado? No, at all. Did you have an idea where it was? Sort of, but not really. What do so, you think? Did you did you research it? Of and, course, and you know. You were like, yeah, okay, okay. Or were you like, oh wow, this is great, I want to go there. Well, it's yes and no, because I want a full scholarship, and I sort of have like a teacher I want to study with, but at that time, it's, in time, it's not the, you know, popular yet. So the only one chance I could contact her, which is Nancy Boris actually, is she only used a phone at that time. Who is this? Nancy. Nancy Gores, principal bassoon at Pittsburgh Symphony, and she teaches at Carnegie Mellon and Aspen Music Festival. Yeah. So yeah, like of course, I my English is probably like this. I cannot talk good like you know. It's so little, so I hesitate to do that kind of process, and uh, yeah, so I just jump on 
whatever the Yoshi's offer. Yeah, I told my parents about, hey, I got that, you know, full scholarship offer. Can I go? There's like, think, probably one minute. Okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so yeah. you were almost born in America. Yeah, I almost. Your born. parents were living in LA. Yeah. And when your mom was eight months pregnant, she went it's back to Japan. Minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I'm interested to know a piece of chamber music that you like that's not a bassoon quartet that involves the bassoon. I don't know. I play a lot though, but uh, what's the favorite? I like to pull on what the Ethan said, but maybe sextet. Trio and the sextet, probably my favorite, one of the favorite stuff. Well, the Stravinsky, probably. There I you go. There's a better the choice. Stravinsky. Which one? Well, octet. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, but it's challenging. So to wrap this up, oh, and by the way, we should say that for both of us, the story, a, a new origin story has begun. Oh, good. <laughs> the next generation yeah. is on its yeah. way, due in early June. And of course, the question is, will our baby learn the bassoon? No. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like the uber bassoonist. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there is an instrument. But we have three instruments sitting around the house, so yeah. we got an extra one ready. The kid will definitely learn the bassoon if Unky Mike has anything to say about it. Unky Mike is not going anywhere near the kid. <laughs> 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 well, to wrap things up, here's a listen from the uh, Stravinsky Octet.